welcomes you to Up Close, a weekly public affairs program presented by Z1077 News. You're invited to call in with your questions and comments. Our call-in number is 366-8471. Now, your host for Up Close, Gary Danielle. Well, thank you, mystery announcer, wherever you are. And welcome to the Z1077 Up Close show on this uh, little bit brusque and breezy uh, Jan- uh, January, March 4th of uh, 2022. I'm Gary Danielle. Our producer is Claire Grove. And the Z1077 Up Close show is a special presentation of Z1077 News presented in the public interest. Our number for you to call and participate is 760-366-8471. And our guest in studio today is Jim Brakeville, the chief of the Morongo Valley Fire Department and uh, currently the acting general manager of the Morongo Valley CSD. So we're going to find out a little bit about Jim, the fire department, and the CSD. But first, Jim, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, you're a busy guy. We're going to talk about, you seem to be wearing a lot of hats lately. Uh, but first, let's talk about Jim Brakebill. Uh, where, where, where did you grow up? Where are you from? What brought you to Morongo Valley? I was born and raised in Whittier, California. A Cali boy. Right. All right. And uh, my family's one of the founding families of the city of Whittier. And we moved up here in 1996 because my wife was active duty military. She was a captain in the Navy, and uh, she got assigned to the Naval Hospital. So that's what brought brought us up here. Ah, and uh, did she, so did she retire, stay with the Naval Hospital, but you decided to put roots down in the Morongo Basin? She uh, retired in 2001, okay. and we decided to stay here. We fell in love with the with the high desert. That's wonderful. Well, I've had the great pleasure of uh, interacting with your son, Justin, on a number of occasions. Justin uh, was in my class that I taught at Torrance Palms High School, and then was a just a valued volunteer at Theater 29. Did a lot of work for Theater 29. So he's a he's a great kid. So you can pass that on to him. So, Will do. Yeah. Do you have any other children besides Justin? No, that's it. That's it. Okay, you got a good one and stopped. Yeah. Uh, now, in your spare time, what do you do? What are your interests, passions? Do you like music? Do you like violin? Do you secretly play the kazoo? Well, in uh, high school and college, I played the trumpet uh, in the marching band and the French horn in the concert band. And um, I love to travel and I love the outdoors. Any particular place you like to travel? Do you like go camping to the beach? Uh, what's your preference? Well, both. I'm an outdoors person. That's why my whole career has been in a job where I can work outdoors. And um, I love to go camping and hiking quite a bit. And we're very fortunate to have our Joshua Tree National Park right here. I say, if you love camping and hiking, you're you're sitting near one of the best camping and hiking areas in the world so uh, that's great well jim uh tell us a little bit about morongo valley's uh, setup i, I want to come to uh, the the fire department in just a little bit but first morongo valley has what's called a csd and most people when you say a csd they scratch their head and go Arr? well let me explain uh, what a, a csd stands for community services district And like you mentioned earlier, Morongo Valley is a community services district. And and a community services district is a California special district. It's a form of local government created by a local community to meet specific need or needs. 
Inadequate tax bases and competing demands for existing taxes make it hard for cities and counties to provide all the services or the quality of services their citizens desire. So when residents want new services or higher level of services, they can form a special district to pay for and administer those services. Unlike most special districts that provide only a single service, the community services districts are formed through the California government to provide multiple services to a community. In fact, community service district can provide up to 32 different services, such as water, garbage collection, wastewater management, security, fire protection, public recreation, street lighting, mosquito services, just to name a few. A community services district can consist of any uh, unincorporated territory. It's governed by a member, uh, a board of directors of five directors that are elected by the residents. So uh, the bottom line is with the CSD, the citizens vote to tax themselves to provide services above and beyond what the base services are provided by the county in an unincorporated area. Uh, correct, yeah. Gary. In the case of Morongo Valley, uh, their community services district is responsible for the parks, the fire department, and the streetlights. Um, often people have uh, expressed a desire, for example, Joshua Tree, uh, to incorporate to protect themselves, uh, to make sure that the land use decisions are made consistent with what the citizenry wants, which is many times very different than what the county wants. And I've often said, uh, while Joshua Tree may not have the tax base to fully incorporate, they may want to consider forming a CSD, and that's exactly what they did in Morongo Valley. Uh, I know in Joshua Tree, for example, there's a streetlight district. If you look at your property tax bill, you see uh, not much, a little bit of money. So everybody's everybody is chipping chipping in to get the streetlights in the area. So there's a couple other little things that they do in that area. But Morongo Valley, they expanded that. Uh, when did the Morongo Valley uh, CSD get formed? I think it was in the late 50s is when it was formed and it's been there ever since and uh, and then LAFCO has expanded their sphere of influence to include about 33 square miles now. And we often hear the expression LAFCO and I think I want to stop for a minute and explain what that is. LAFCO is the Local Agency Formation Commission. It is a county agency which regulates uh, voter approved districts. So they would regulate, for example, in 29 Palms, they, they regulate the cemetery district, the water district, the city of 29 Palms. They regulate Morongo Valley. They make sure that you are fiscally responsible. Uh, they make sure that you are operating within the, the laws and rules of the state and the county. Uh, how much input do you guys in, in Morongo Valley get from LAFCO? LAFCO comes in and does an assessment about every five years. The last one was done in the year 2020. And they come in and look at the board. They look at the services that are provided to make sure that all the services that they were allowed to provide are doing so within the California government code. So they do have oversight over the board and the community to make sure that we are providing the services that are required. Now, if they see something that's uh, not off, maybe they feel your income stream is not quite enough to provide the services you want, do they give you a little nudge? Do, what, what kind of, do they have any actual power? Is it more of, hey, you guys need to, is it more of a notification? It's thing? more of a notification. They, they come up with a corrective action plan and uh, they work with you side by side. Uh, LAFCO, I've worked with them on several um, 
government entities, and they've always been good. I mean, the recommendations, they work with you, and, and uh, I've never had a problem with them. Now, in 1962, the Morongo Valley CSD uh, determined they wanted to start their own fire department, separate from County Fire, which has the, the basic services. Uh, that's quite a big step for a small community. Yes, sir. The, the fire department is probably the most expensive service that a city or a county or a special district provides. And they started out as a volunteer fire department, and then in the early, early 2000, like 2000, 2001, is when they formed their uh, paid fire service. Along, And then in 2003, they passed a tax initiative to provide paramedic services. So the citizens of Morongo Valley have selected to tax themselves for their own fire department. Correct. Okay. Uh, and that fire department is how big, Jim? We have roughly about 20 people. And we have paramedics, fire apparatus engineers, one fire chief, two captains, and about 10 um, reserve firefighters. And how does that compare to a normal small community fire department? Well, fire departments use the NFPA 1710 standard, which, um, re- which sets a standard. It's not a codified law uh, of 4 staffing for small departments. It also dictates... Um, the time that's required to get from the station to a call. So right now, Morongo Valley Fire Department is meeting NFPA uh, um, 1710, and we do have four uh, people working per shift, which consists of a captain, a fire apparatus engineer, which is the person that drives and pumps the apparatus, one paramedic, and one firefighter. Morongo Valley has a very, got a very unique and sort of unusual situation where you've got Morongo Valley Fire Department formed to protect the property and protect the, the, the community. But then you've got a few miles of the most dangerous highway in the state of California, including the Morongo Grade, which happens to fall within the responsibility of the Morongo Valley Fire Department. I would think just that would be quite a stressor on on the operation of a fire department. It is. Uh, f- from Indian Canyon to the top of the um, Yucca Grade has been considered one of the most dangerous stretches of Highway 62, and, and that falls in uh, our responsibility of the fire department. And, you know, I tell everybody, all citizens of the Morongo Basin are stakeholders in Morongo Valley because that is the main thoroughfare to enter and exit the Morongo Basin. So we do have quite a bit of responsibility to all citizens. So the, the citizens of Morongo Valley, and I understand what you're saying about all citizens, uh, pay uh, for fire protection, but you spend a lot of time reacting to accidents on the highway because of the grade, and for some reason, uh, people feel there's a necessary need to drive up to 80 miles per hour down the grade, which is just crazy. But anyway, uh, that's another talk for another time. So when you react to an accident on the grade, does your department get compensated by anybody or is that just out of your pocket? Well, we just, when I took over as the fire chief, I initiated a cost recovery program. So if you get involved in an incident and you're not a tax-paying citizen of the Morongo Valley Community Services District, you do receive a bill for our services. Um, do they pay it? 
It's brand new. Oh, so okay. We, it just went into effect the March first. Oh, okay. So it's brand new. Right. Okay. So uh, if if someone has an accident in your area, is not from Morongo Valley, then you bill them. Uh, is that something that we're going to start seeing more and more of? Because I see a lot of emergency services reacting to traffic accidents. Well, cost recovery has been around in the fire service for quite some time. And it's really effective on a small rural fire department where our tax base is very limited. So um, it keeps the taxpayers' money for the taxpayers that live in the area. And it's unique because more than half of our calls are to traffic accidents on Highway 62 right, yeah. that are using uh, taxpayers' money. So uh, being a good businessman like I am, um, I went back to a company that did our cost recovery um, at a previous fire department I was at and uh, got it through the board, adopted the fees, and it's implemented one March. So so we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes, and, yeah. then, and we'll report back to you a little bit later on now, that does, does the county do that? Uh, if, the, if county fire reacts to an accident, say, in Yucca Valley, do they do cost recovery? Well, it, um, we have adopted the county fire fees, and so I'm assuming that they do do because um, they have response fees in that list that we adopted. So we just uh, took the the 21, 22 um, county fire fees and adopted them, and we're using those as our cost recovery fees. Okay, so you're you're using the the county breakdown of what it costs. Correct. So, now I live in Twenty Nine Palms, and as a resident of Twenty Nine Palms, my my city council determined that uh, my fire department uh, would be contracted to the county of San Bernardino, and Twenty Nine Palms is part of FP five, so I pay one hundred and sixty dollars a year for fire service in in the city where I live. About how much do the residents of Morongo Valley pay per year to support their fire department? It, it's about $75, and we're due for um, a study to compare the rising cost of providing fire services. And so we have a fire ad hoc committee that's taking a look at that right now and taking a look at the cost, because you know as well as I do, the cost of fuel is going up, the cost of maintenance of the fire equipment well, is going up. Well, and the direct comparison, again, FP5 is $160 a, a year. You're only getting 75 and yet you're expected to have the same level of service. That's, and, that's, that's pretty tough. And that fee, that <laughs> fee was uh, voted in back in, I believe, 2001 or 2003, somewhere right in that area. Yeah, in 2001, they, they transformed into a combination fire department as opposed to a community, and I think when that happened, they did that. So how would you go about increasing that fee? Would it have to be a vote of the people or just the CSD board? How would that work? It would have to be a vote of the people. Okay. So um, the citizens would have to vote for the tax increase uh, to maintain their, a level of fire services that they desire or can afford. Now, um, in, in Morongo Valley, uh, have there ever been an attempt to increase the tax fees in the past? I believe there was in 2015 or 2016 it was, and it was voted down. Yeah, I know in 29 Palms, before we became part of FP5, there was a, a number of votes to try to get additional funding for the fire department, and those those failed. Uh, I believe, in my opinion, that they failed more out of politics and personalities than an act, actual um, 
examination of the need uh, versus the cost uh, of that. So uh, when the city contracted with the county, that sort of solved that problem for everybody with plenty of funding. The county now provides fire services. Of course, the people in Wonder Valley are wondering what happened, but that's another story for another time. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Our guest in studio today is Jim Brakebill, the chief of the Morongo Valley Fire Department and acting general manager for the Morongo Valley CSD. Our number is 760-366-847. If you have a question you'd like to ask Chief Brakebill, give us a call. We'll be back with more right after these brief messages. And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close Show. It's 1022. I'm Gary Dineau. Our guest in studio today is Jim Brakebill, the acting general manager of the Morongo Valley CSD and the uh, chief of the Morongo Valley Fire Department. So Morongo Valley is a very unique community. It's it's it's. It's, it's beautiful. The, anybody who hasn't taken advantage of the uh, Covington Preserve uh, is, should. It's a treasure. Uh, so you've got a really mixed uh, levels of protection. You've got woodlands. You've got desert. You've got a nasty highway with lots of people crashing. How do you stretch those resources? And I, and I, I got to say, for $75 a year, the people of Morongo Valley are getting a bargain. <laughs> so... Oh, sorry. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Well, Morongo Valley is kind of unique because the entire valley is considered state uh, responsibility area, SRA. And so what happens is when we have a, a, a fire, even a vehicle fire that has the, the potential to move into the vegetation, the Cal Fire Unit Station at Yucca Valley are always respond with us. And then... Um, Mutual aid is also provided by county fire as well. So we're usually on scene within one to four minutes, depending on where it's located at, followed by county fire and then Cal fire. So we do have a substantial response plan in place. And that mutual aid makes it all work for you. Correct. Yeah. Uh, do you guys also uh, respond, to, or does Riverside County come in? Because I know you're right on the border there. Yes, Riverside um, Engine 36 down from Desert Hot Springs in the Riverside area, they are also come up with us, especially on vegetation fires. They respond with us on the highway through the canyon, from Indian Canyon up to the Morongo area. So there's very, very strict boundaries there, so. Correct. Yeah. Uh, now, now, Jim, how did you get involved in fire service? I got involved in the fire service way back as a volunteer. And when I was back in Missouri, I got on a volunteer fire department and got my training in that. I was in law enforcement, and um, so I was doing both. And then I realized um, there's a lot more to fire department, uh, I mean fire services than I thought. And so I put myself through a fire academy and got credentialed and just stayed in the fire service Um and I love it ever since. It's been 44 years 40, of public safety. 44 years that you've been working in public safety. Um, the Morongo Valley Fire Department has been there for a little longer than 44 years. So, <laughs> uh, you, were, you were a police officer. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, but you determined you like fire better? Well, I met my wife and uh, could no longer stay in the area because being in the Navy, they had to, you know, she was um, transferred. Right. 
So, so family came first. So then when she, when finally she retired here and, and you were able to put your roots down. Right. So. I remember back in the day when uh, the, uh, the, the small fire stations in the Morongo Basin were all what they called PCF, paid call firefighters, where basically uh, you responded from your home. Uh, they, everybody had a little pager. Uh, went to the fire department, went out and fought a fire, and there was a, mostly citizen volunteers. There was a there was pay, but it was just a stipend. I think it was a minimum wage uh, for responders. But that all changed. What changed that, Jim? Why did we get rid of that? I remember we had the Pioneer Town Fire Department and the Second Fire Department in in Joshua Tree. That's in Panorama Heights. Uh, we had, you know, Twenty Nine Palms had Wonder Valley, Twenty Nine Palms. Uh, when did all that change? Well. What it changed oh, probably within the last 10 years because of the training requirements that are placed on firefighters of today, you know, the large amount of hazardous materials that are going up and down the highway, the way the houses are constructed and the, and the uh, different types of roofs that are on houses. And um, so what happened was that the, the and then the self-contained breathing apparatus and the physical requirements and the uh, medical requirements it kind of um, a lot of the volunteers didn't have the time to put in for the required training and therefore you saw the the number of volunteers start to dwindle and currently um, if you're a volunteer firefighter you're held to the same standard now as a professional paid fire department uh, firefighter and so what happens is if you're a volunteer, you join a volunteer fire department and you either have a choice of going through the fire academy or getting on the job training. But all firefighters, regardless of how you enter into the fire service, have to take a computerized written test It's for the IFSAC Pro Board. And then you have to demonstrate competency and a set of skills for either a firefighter one or a firefighter two. So the old uh, neighborhood uh, volunteer fire department uh, uh, now have to live up to certain standards set by the state. So it becomes very, very difficult to be just a volunteer firefighter. Right. They used to issue, the state fire training used to issue a volunteer firefighter certificate and not no more because the you know when the citizens call 911 and you show up at their doorstep they expect you to be trained for whatever emergency they called you to mitigate they don't ask you if you're a volunteer or paid and so um, we see the ranks diminishing here in California there's of volunteers, right? Because it takes a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Correct, yeah. and and then the OSHA requirements and the NFPA standards they have to meet. However, with that being said, there are still more volunteer firefighters in the United States today than there are paid. Uh, just not in San Bernardino County. <laughs> uh, now, Jim, um, it used to be if to respond to a fire, the alarm would go out, the paid call firefighters would meet at the station. And then go respond to the scene. So I imagine that would cut down the response time quite a bit because you have to wait for the volunteers to gather. Now with the professional firefighters at the fire stations 24-7, uh, I would imagine the response times are a lot faster. Correct. Uh, do you have any statistics about how fast or? I, I can tell you, I can speak to Morongo right now and um, – you know, we're out the door in a minute, and depending on where within our uh, jurisdiction the fire is, but I think the, the longest time it takes is like 
14 minutes if it's way outside the, the local little small town of Morongo, all the way down to two to three minutes. And it's, you know, the citizens really appreciate when you can get there and stop that fire before it damages the entire garage or a little uh, trash can fire gets into the, um, the roof area and, and catches the house on fire. So the response, the rapid response, is um, what our citizens like. And, and that's why they want to keep the fire department local. Yeah, and how do how do you get along with San Bernardino County Fire? You have a good working relationship. Yeah, San Bernardino County Fire has been superb um, to me personally as an instructor and as a local fire chief. They've always been there to to support us in providing a duty officer if I need time off, providing mutual aid, and uh, I just can't say enough good things about. Um, County fire in this area. I uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna move us over to look at the CSD. I'm gonna come okay. back to, to fire in a little bit. So the Morongo Valley CSD, and again, if, if you're just joining us, a CSD is when the voters of an area determine to tax themselves to provide services above and beyond the basic services provided by the county. Uh, the Morongo Valley area have voted to put in a CSD uh, back in 1958, so it's been there for, for, for quite a bit. Uh, they have a lot of responsibilities. You mentioned the park. You mean Covington Park. Correct. So they, they pay for the maintenance of and upkeep of the park. Uh, do they pay for the individual activities, or is there like a little league group and a softball club? And How does that work? No, they, the, we, the citizens of Morongo, have uh, formed their own ball league. That's a softball league, adult and children. And um, they make um, the... the the CSD provides a full-time maintenance uh, person that maintains the buildings and the park and the uh, the surrounding fire station. Now, the CSD in Morongo Valley is made up of uh, five citizens who place themselves on a ballot, and the citizens vote to see who represents them. But they have been being roiled, I guess would be the word, over the past few years. There's been a lot of uh, uh, back and forth and little disagreements, things like that, that have affected the management of the Morongo Valley CSD. How did you get appointed as the interim general manager? Were you, were you the guy in the room? I was the guy in the room, yeah. to be honest with yeah. you. Or, and, or and, you forgot to go to a meeting. Yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and um, I have a master's in, in uh, management, so um, I agreed to fill in uh, for him. You know, even though there was a lot of disagreement and stuff in the previous boards, all of them, all board members had were very passionate about their community, and they all had their visions for the community. We do have a new board now with only two of the previous board members, and um, they seem to be moving along in the right direction, and they're listening to the needs of the community. Um, I've opened up um, the community services office for any citizen of Morongo Valley. They can walk in. They don't need an appointment. They can sit down and talk to me. They can walk next door and meet their firefighters. Um, any financial records, if they want copies of them, they can come in. We'll make copies and give them to them right away. Now, do you have an employee who's in that office and keeps it open, or yes, just I, you? No, no, sir. I have <laughs> I, I have an administrative assistant, and then I also have a fire inspector that works for me part-time. 
What are the challenges for the community of Morongo Valley coming from the the general manager of the Morongo Valley CSD? What are the general challenges that CSD faces as a governance and that the citizens in general of Morongo Valley? Let's, let's talk about the CSD first. What are, the, what, are well, the, what are the challenges of that CSD? It's managing the CSD on a very tight budget. Unlike other areas, there is no strong tax base in Morongo Valley because it's mostly property taxes. And then the county gets a certain percent and, and then the CSD gets 1% of whatever the county collects in taxes. So, so you're operating a CSD on 1% of the property tax? 1% of what, of what the county collects on the property taxes. So um, it is very challenging and you have to think outside the box and you have to get people that want to work for you that are very passionate about public safety and getting their experience. And I've got a good group of people working with me right now who care very much about the community and the people that travel up and down the highway. Now, you mentioned earlier that the, the cost for the citizen of the Morongo Valley Fire Department is about $75 a year. Um, is that a separate fee above and beyond the one percent? It, it, it's a separate fee okay. because that—that's the one that the citizens voted. So on the Morongo Valley uh, property tax bill, you've got the percentage for the CSD. No, that's automatically from the county one percent. Right. But on that, you also have then an additional fire fee. Correct. Can the Morongo Valley CSC, do they have taxing authority? Could they like put in like a half percent sales tax or something like that? That I don't know. I'm researching that right now. Um, I want to make sure that that if they do, that that is one option that the board can consider. I know the cities do. And the cities can have a sales tax and a, and a transient tax. But when it comes to a special district, um, I'm seeking guidance from our CSD uh, legal counsel on that. I'm trying to explore many avenues um, to raise um, revenues so we can maintain our fire department and our parks. Now, uh, you mentioned that the challenge for the CSD is providing the services the citizens want on a, a very limited budget. What is the, are the primary services that's costing the most in Morongo Valley? I'd say about 80% of the budget is fire. So 80% of the 1%? Right. So the, so the $75 per year uh, a special tax, a special fire tax, and then in addition to that, about 80% of the generated CSD support money goes to the fire department. Correct. So, so uh, is, are you looking at ways to either raise raise revenue or cut costs. Is the, the, well, the, the yeah. costs have been cut um, quite uh, dramatically. So um, now we're thinking outside the box and we're exploring. That was the whole purpose of having that fire ad hoc committee made up of two board members so we can look at different avenues. And I'm a firm believer that if the citizens see the services that are being provided, and you're transparent with what's going on with the CSD, most people won't have a problem, but they, they wanna make sure that what they're paying for is what they're getting. And this is why I believe in full transparency. So your fire department uh, is, is the one that requires the most revenue to support. What's the second on that list that the Morongo Valley CSD uh, supports? Payroll. 
Okay. Payroll for? Full-time employees. Of, of the CSD? Correct. Okay. And how many are there? Well, you have uh, two captains, you have three engineers, and, and uh, three paramedics, and two office staff, and myself. Okay. Uh, uh, but that's fire department. Right. I'm talking about CSD. Okay. Oh, just the CSD itself, uh-huh. yeah. we have one full-time park maintenance person and one um, full-time administrative assistant. Okay. And then the general manager. Correct. Yeah. And in this particular case, you got the fire chief and the general manager. Correct. And that's what they did with the last guy, too. Correct. Okay. Are they planning on separating those, or are you going to be? Uh, are you going to have both responsibilities for a while? Well, it depends on what the community wants. So um, there has been some concern about combining the two positions because of there is no oversight. Uh, so part of the board would like to split and have a general manager and a fire chief, but then. They're in the process now of studying the feasibility of that to see if there's enough money in the budget for those two positions. So then they'd have to pay for two full-time executive positions rather than just one doing both jobs. Correct. Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to put you in a in a in a too much of a hot seat, but what would you recommend? I would I would recommend um, splitting the two. Um, now you say one of the problems with that would be lack of oversight. Why would that be? Well, it, it depends on where you sit and are viewing what the operation. Some people believe that if you have a general manager slash fire chief who reports to the board, um, they don't feel there's enough oversight for if there is an employee complaint and it's regarding the fire chief, who do they go to? Do they go directly to the board? And so that was the issue with the previous administration. Um, so that was the whole purpose of the fire hot of the fire ad hoc committee, where that those two board members come and they sit down weekly or as needed, as usually on a Friday at four four p.m. And we sit down and we talk with the fire staff. And so far, that model has worked very well. There's been no issues. Conversely, if someone has a complaint about the general manager of the CSD, who do they complain to? The fire chief? You know, it goes, <laughs> it, that goes to the board. Because okay. technically, the board only hires the GM, and the GM hires everybody else, right. the, including it, the fire chief. So just like a city manager, uh, you know, you don't go to the city council to complain about how you're treated by the building department. Correct. You, the, they hire the city manager, and he manages the same thing with CSD. They hire a general manager who then manages all the different departments. Correct. So the the general manager reports directly to the board, and the fire chief reports to the general manager. Correct. Okay. And right now you're both. Correct. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you have a life outside of the Bronco Valley CSD. You've for many, many years been providing some services for Copper Mountain College. Uh, can you give us a little bit of that background? I don't know if you're still doing that yes. or not, Jim. Are, yes, are you I'm, still? I'm, I'm still a full-time faculty member at Copper Mountain College. Most of my classes are online. Um, I oversee the EMT um, program. I oversee the criminal justice program and the fire technology program and our brand-new Wildland Fire Academy. In your spare time. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about that training because it's 
it's, it's a hell of an opportunity people don't realize. Uh, there are required, we mentioned earlier, there's required certifications to be a firefighter. You can't just go to work for a fire department. You have to take specific training and it has to be certified by the state of California. Uh, that training is available right at Copper Mountain College, and I understand you're placing EMS professionals all over the state of California. Yes, we have, um, the, um, thanks to the good working relationship with Morongo Basin Ambulance and County Fire and AMR, um, our students, um, we have recruiters that come to the classroom and um, recruit our people right out of the classroom. The same with our Wildland Fire Academy, too. The U.S. Forest Service, National Parks, and the Bureau of Land Management um, come and speak to our students while they're in class. So this, this coming week, um, we'll have the Wildland crew on campus, and they'll be doing their hikes and practicing with their hand tools. And so if you're a young person looking for a career and interested in emergency services, then you and the college can get their foot in the door. It's correct. Yeah. And what is the job need for emergency services in, in, in the state of California? There, we, just, we can't right now, we can't get enough. I mean, we cannot produce enough trained personnel to fill the vacancies that are out there in the state. Well, you're listening. The, uh, there's training available for jobs that are very, very much in need. It's, it's a, this is a great opportunity. If, if a young person wanted to train for a career in public safety, I mean, Copper Mountain College has a tremendous program with Sandy Smith and the foundation. If you wanted to be an EMT, the college has a $500 book voucher that you can use towards your book and your equipment. And anything, any expense above and beyond that, uh, we have the, the uh, Tabor Award. I was just going to talk about the, the Jeff Tabor Scholarship. Right, the Jeff Tabor Scholarship. Which is, which is named for Jeff Tabor, who uh, unfortunately passed away last year. But he was a very well-known local EMT, uh, a familiar face to, to, to many people here, grew up in the community, uh, passed away. And so they, did, they put a scholarship fund together. So if someone wants to go into emergency services, they can apply for that. And pretty well get the training free. It, yes, absolutely. It's usually it's about eighteen hundred dollars, so you can get a full semester class and get your credential or your EMT card all in one semester, at probably no cost. The same with the Wildland Fire Academy as well. You know that is a non-credit class, so you don't have to pay for the units. And then we have the CARES uh, Act money. So basically, instead of paying close to $2,000 to go through the Wildland Academy, you'll probably, students are paying anywhere from 100 to $300 because of their boots. Well, that is a remarkable opportunity. The boots? Yeah, the boots are, are pretty expensive in wildland firefighting. <laughs> well, I guess if you're fighting fire on the ground, you'd want to have some pretty good boots. So uh, so uh, the reason I, I stopped and focused on that a little bit, again, is it's, it's a really a, a a great opportunity. I, I don't know how many young people I've spoke to. You know, I, I taught high school for 27 years. And, you know, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. But this is the college has opportunities to get your foot in the door. So, and I know for law enforcement is also unable to hire enough people. They're constantly looking for people. Correct. We have a, a very good criminal justice program. And you can get your associate's degree in it. 
and uh, move on and either get a bachelor's degree or go out and get a job. Most all police departments, including the district attorney's office for investigators and parole parole agencies, are all looking for officers right now. I'm, and I can tell you, back when I got into it in the early 70s, it was hard to find a job. You wouldn't be able to see an ad for a police officer's job or a peace officer's job. Now you just get on Facebook and they're all over the place. Yeah, they're out actively recruiting. Correct. I know the... Uh the Los Angeles Police Department recruits aboard the 29 Palms Marine Base. So does Riverside County Sheriff's Office. Yeah, uh, they prefer military-trained people who uh, for for law enforcement because they already have a lot of basic skills that are needed in law enforcement and the discipline and the discipline. There is that. We're going to, on that, we'll take a break. We'll be back with more of the Z1077 Up Close Show. Our number, if you'd like to call and participate, is 760-366-8471. Our producer is Claire Groh. And our guest in studio today is Jim Brakebill, the chief of the Morongo Valley Fire Department and acting general manager of the Morongo Valley CSD. We'll be right back. And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close Show. It's 1048. I'm Gary Dignon. Our guest in studio today is the acting general manager of the Morongo Valley CSD and the chief of the Morongo Valley Fire Department, Jim Brakebill. Again, uh, Jim, uh, we've been covering a lot of ground here uh, now. Uh, I want to go back to a little bit about fire services and, and protecting communities. We live in an earthquake zone. Do you have a plan for the Morongo Valley area should there be a major earthquake? We have an emergency response plan and I just met with the Red Cross um, a week ago Wednesday to um, welcome them into the Morongo Valley area and, and form a relationship with their disaster action team as well. What should people do to protect themselves against an earthquake? And this isn't just Morongo Valley. Right. And this is We live in earthquake country and People tend to ignore it until we have a little shaker. They go, oh, yeah, I guess I should th- then squirrel. Off they go. But it's, it's dead serious. They should, we should have, I know I do, we have, um, I have ample water supply and I have uh, non-perishable food. Because unlike most areas, we're isolated out here. And basically, there's only one way in and out. As we discovered in in 92 with the Landers quake, the the grade was closed and we were isolated. I believe it was closed for about about three days. The Morongo Basin was uh, its own little island. Correct. And um, so the citizens, we have to prepare for that because it's not if, it's when it's going to happen again. And having enough food and water on hand and to shelter in place until help can get to you. I also recommend that you have a wrench where you can shut off your gas or shut off your propane. Um, in some instances, we, I, we, we'd have to shut off the power because we have lines that are down that are arcing. And um, so, again, there's a check sheet that comes out. And one of the best places to get a hold of that check sheet, believe it or not, is through the Red Cross. And it, it uh, tells you all about uh, earthquakes and what to do and... How much uh, they even have Red Cross supply kits that you can purchase to help fund the Red Cross with these earthquake kits. Now, is the Morongo Valley Fire Department doing any sort of outreach, any community public education about disaster and emergency preparedness? Yes. 
um, our fire prevention officer is starting that program up in conjunction with the Red Cross. One of the first things we're going to talk about or help our communities go out and install smoke detectors for um, the elderly people that live in our community. It's um, a grant that the Red Cross got, and uh, we will be doing that probably next month. And then after that, um, our the Red Cross is going to put on a... Um, a presentation at our board of directors meeting in April for the services that they can come down and provide in an emergency for the, the Morongo Valley area as well. So everything that you're talking about right now is on our list of things to do under my watch, and um, we've I've already started the wheels turning. I'm glad you brought up smoke detectors because that the whole the smoke detector thing has changed. It. It used to be that you put the 9-volt battery in the smoke detector till you heard the chirp, which was, is the most annoying high-pitched chirp known to man, and they do that on purpose so you'll change your dang batteries. Uh, but now it's, it's all changed. They, basically, they've become disposable. How do, well, it's it, they what's come going with, on, What's they, going on with smoke they detectors, come, They Jim come Britain? with lithium batteries okay. now, so you can't... Uh, when the when it starts to um, fail, and it makes that annoying sure. sound, right? You yep. can't just take the battery out. You've, it's forcing our people, for the good, to replace the whole smoke detector now. So used to, like you said, people would take out, and then they would never get. They get on this calendar where tomorrow never comes, and they never put the new battery in. Right? Yeah, it's, it starts chirping. You pull the battery out to stop the chirp, and now you've got a smoke detector with no battery. Right. So the ones we will be installing will be the ones with the enclosed lithium battery, and they say it has a ten-year life. And I haven't heard anything to the contrary, nor when I looked on the consumer's website and looked at the smoke detector, every, there has been no bad reviews of it. So, um, that's, so those are the ones we're going to use down in Morongo Valley. So if you have non-working smoke detectors, for goodness sakes, uh, replace them. What is that, what's the retail cost on a, on a, smoke det- a lithium smoke detector? I, I, about 25 to $30. Well okay. worth the investment. Okay. So for 25 to $30... You now have a 10-year smoke detector. That's a pretty good deal. It is. Yeah. And they have them, what, Home Depot? Correct. Or, yeah. Home Depot, most hardware stores. But in this case, the Red Cross is um, donating them. So I know County Fire and the Yucca Valley area or in their areas of responsibility have collaborated with the Red Cross and are going out and putting in these smoke uh, alarms, smoke detectors, and then we'll follow suit down in Morongo Valley. Now, the the smoke detectors in in my house, which are the old-fashioned ones with the 9-volt batteries, and I happen to know because I had to... I had to follow a chirp for a while till I figured out which one it was. Are all are all, all interconnected? Are the new lithium ones? Are they standalone smoke detectors? They're standalone. They are. So if you have a smoke detector in your home, which uh, is is not working because you took the battery out and haven't put it in yet, uh, don't buy a nine volt. Go out and buy a new detector. Correct. Yeah. That way you won't be bothered with the chirp. Yeah. And the 9-volt the batteries are expensive anyway, so consider that a discount. Correct. So, okay, so get get those. Uh, I can't believe as a news person how many news um, stories I've run about fires that say there was no smoke detector. And it's, it's, it's a real danger, and it's real, 
and you need to deal with it. So here, we're lecturing you about disaster preparedness and getting your smoke detectors. Correct. Okay. We're going to take one little break, come back with the last part of our show with Jim Brakebill. Again, our number is 760-366-8471. You are listening to the Z1077 Up Close Show. The Up Close Show is also podcast. Just go to the Z1077 website at z1077fm.com. Click podcast, and you can choose uh, from literally hundreds of past uh, I was surprised the other day to find out I'd just done my 363rd show or something like that. Uh, but those podcasts are up there. We also podcast the Ben Vaughn, uh, Many Moods of Ben Vaughn show, the Z1077 local news, local music showcase, uh, Desert Oracle. All of that is podcast available as a podcast, and those have become very popular. We'll be right back. And we are back with the final portion of the Z1077 Up Close. We do have a caller, and let's go right to that caller. And uh, you are on the radio. Good morning. Good morning. Hi there. Uh, and your comment today? Well, I was curious to um, how they work with some of the building codes and inspections that happen with the Airbnbs attributed to safety, because I know they're talking about fire detectors and things of that sort. But I'm a contractor, so I work on a lot of these properties very often. And um, there's a lot of issues. Okay. <laughs> but I just wanted to, like, take on that perspective. Okay, well, keep listening. Be aware of the fact that we have a minute and a half left in our show, so I'm not quite how thorough an answer we'll get, but I'm going to uh, let you listen off, off the phone, okay? Right. So, Jim, uh, what do you do as far as, as inspections? And they mentioned specifically Airbnbs. Anytime a home has been modified, it has to be inspected by the fire department to make sure it meets the current code. Outside of that, the county comes in and does the actual inspection from the building department. So if someone applies for a license to operate an Airbnb in San Bernardino County, they, they come out and inspect it? Correct. And then if they are going to modify that piece of property, then the county will tell them they need to have a fire uh, letter issued by us. And then we send the inspector out and they look at it to make sure that it has smoke detectors and fire extinguishers and anything else that may be required. Uh, Jim, we have a, a little bit of time left in the show. What can the people of Morongo Valley do to support their CSD and their fire department? Well, we do have the Morongo Valley Fire Auxiliary, which raises money and helps us tremendously with the uniforms and the badges and the boots and some of the personal protective equipment. But we really need to, to bring the community in on our special meetings when we start talking about a new tax initiative. Because, um, again, um, the cost of living keeps going up, but yet the the um, CPI that this is that our um, tax is based on is not enough to keep up with the cost with the inflation. All right, so get involved. Correct. That's going to do it for the up close show. We'll be back next week uh, with Jim Schooler, the mayor of Yucca Valley. Till then, thanks for listening. Drive carefully and God bless. Bye bye. You've been listening to Up Close. A weekly talk and interview program presented in the public interest by Z1077 News. Join Gary Denio again next Friday at 10 for more Up Close.